Uh, you know what? I'm just I, I, so heated because of what, what you're telling me because I, I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac, macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Go to... Go to Italy. If you ask, if you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is the fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put Um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. Have you ever wanted to give yourself better odds at winning a bet? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to do just that. All players who place a bet on Sunday night's basketball game between LA and Denver will have a hand in lowering the over and under odds on that game. That's right. For every 1,000 players who bet the over on Sunday night's game, the over under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in Sunday's Denver versus Los Angeles game helps to lower the game's over under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. If that isn't enough excitement for you, there is a huge, and I mean huge, title fight happening this weekend at UFC 258. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Folks, this is a deal where you basically cannot lose. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use our promo code THPN when you sign up to hammer the over on Sunday night's basketball game when LA takes on Denver. Again, the promo code is THPN. For every 1,000 people that bet the over in Sunday's game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, 
New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, 888-532-3500. Welcome to New York. The Devil's Devil's State State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What is happening, Devils fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to a very exciting edition of the Devil's state of mind podcast right here on the hockey podcast network the best place to get the most up-to-date news and information about your new jersey devils i hope you guys are doing well thank you as always for taking some time to check these episode out we do greatly greatly appreciate it we always have a bunch to talk about and even though yes the devils are on pause we still have been able to get some really good news that is very positive and we'll jump into that also, we have a very special guest, as we always do here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and it is one of the interim Devil's hosts from last year before I joined the network. You guys had the chance to listen to my good friend Shane Ryan from the Senators podcast. He was one of the hosts, but now we're bringing in one of the other hosts from that former Devil's podcast, so you'll check out that interview in just a little bit. So we have a bunch to get to today. So without further ado, as I always say, let's drop the puck. So we'll start with the news that we got on February 6th, Saturday, February 6th, around 10.30, 10.45 in the morning. The NHL had announced 27 changes to the schedule, all within the East Division. Of those 27 games, 13 involved the New Jersey Devils. So obviously the Devils are still on hiatus due to the COVID outbreak that they suffered about a week ago, basically. And I'm actually recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, February 7, 2021. It has been exactly a week since the last time the Devils have actually played a game. And we originally were looking at tomorrow, February 8th, to be the first day that the Devils would be allowed to, you know, get back to practicing and getting ready. But it's been delayed a little bit. But we do have some more clear information as to, you know, when are we actually going to see the Devils play again? So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly read through the games that the Devils are involved in that have been rescheduled. And it's just basically coming off the Devils article that they posted on their website. So it says, the following Devils games have been rescheduled. rescheduled. Game 364, the Rangers against the Devils, originally scheduled for March 4th, is now scheduled for Tuesday, February 16th, at 7 p.m. Game 295, the Sabres at the Devils, originally scheduled for February 22nd, is now been moved one day later to Tuesday, February 23rd at 7 p.m. 
Game 635, New Jersey at Buffalo, originally scheduled for April 9th, is now scheduled for Thursday, February 25th at 7.25 p.m. Eastern. Game 346, the Capitals at the Devils, originally scheduled for March 1st, is now scheduled for Sunday, February 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Game 301, Islanders at Devils, originally scheduled for February 23rd, is now scheduled for Tuesday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern. Game 180, Rangers at Devils, originally scheduled for February 6th, is now scheduled for Thursday, March 4th at 7 p.m. Game 374, the Rangers at the Devils, originally scheduled for March 5th, has been moved one day later to Saturday, March 6th at 1 p.m. Game 201, Pittsburgh at the Devils, originally scheduled for February 9th, is scheduled for Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Game 477, Pittsburgh at New Jersey, originally scheduled for March 19th, is now scheduled for Saturday, March 20th at 1 p.m. Game 151, the Devils at Pittsburgh, originally scheduled for February 2nd, is now scheduled for Sunday, March 21st at 1 p.m. Game 716, the Flyers at the Devils, originally scheduled for April 20th, is now been scheduled for Thursday, April 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern. Game 494, the Penguins at the Devils, originally scheduled for March 21st, has now been moved to Friday, April 9th at 7 p.m. And Game 166, the Devils at the Pittsburgh Penguins, which was the game that we were going to play after our series against Buffalo for February 4th, is now scheduled for Tuesday, April 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. You get all that? Now, here's, here's something that you just remember. The reason that I was also reading game number like 477 that's basically just the NHL of like what numbered game that they've been playing out of all the games that are going on in the National Hockey League. So like the first game we saw the season to begin the year, the Penguins versus the Flyers was considered game number one. Um, so yeah, the so that's basically, I hope that made sense. But the other information that we got was also that the Devils first game back from their hiatus is scheduled to be this upcoming Thursday in Philadelphia against the Flyers. It will be the first of a back-to-back -back against the Flyers. The second game is on Saturday, and it's also the beginning of a five-game road trip, which you kind of have to wonder to yourself, you know, considering the fact that the Devils had just had a COVID outbreak and they'd been traveling, you would think it wouldn't be that smart for them to immediately go back and travel again. But the Devils' next five games are as follows. Two games against the Flyers in Philly. Then they have a game the Monday, the next Monday, the 15th of February in Boston. Then the very next day, they go back to their area and play the Rangers in Madison Square Garden the next day on Tuesday. Then they go back to Boston two days later and play the Bruins again on Thursday before their first home game since the hiatus which will be saturday february 20th at home against the buffalo sabers so we still have a few more days until the devils are officially back but you also have to keep in mind that you never know what could happen with the way everything's going with the outbreaks and the COVID 19 situation in general it's not a guarantee 100 percent that everything will be okay but you never know we'll, we'll see what happens i'm I'm really happy that we have some sort of a definitive date. Uh, when you guys hear the interview in a little bit, um, 
we were talking prior to getting this information. We were actually, the interview was on Friday. Um, you know, so you guys uh, will see, you might be a little bit confused because you say, well, you just talked about the fact that now we know where everything is. Well, at that time, we didn't know where everything was. So just keep that in mind. But the bottom line is that this is, uh, this is definitely positive news. It's been a very tough over the last week and change that we have not been able to see the Devils play. And also we're seeing other teams like the Minnesota Wild. We've seen the Vegas Golden Knights go off for a long period of time, the Colorado Avalanche. You know, there's a bunch of teams, you know, dealing with their own COVID outbreaks. And so it's something that makes you nervous. It makes you wonder how long can the NHL continue to go this way before they have to start taking a lot of drastic measures. I do know that they made a couple of changes to the rules for the COVID situation. Uh, they're no longer going to have the glass behind the coach's bench to kind of give you know more space for the air to move around. Players are no longer forced to arrive at the arena, I think like an hour and a half or 45 minutes before the game, unless they have something that they have to work on. So they're trying to keep these guys contained as much as possible and to get them in and out as quick as possible during this time. But we'll see what happens. It's great that the Devils do have some games coming up soon. It's going to be a challenging thing. And also remember this, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood is off the COVID list. There's probably going to be a lot of other guys. Maybe even Aaron Dell might be off the list by that time. Maybe Sammy Vatanen as well. You know, I said before that this team could look a lot different by the time they get on the ice, supposedly this upcoming Thursday against the Flyers. It'll be really interesting to see how Lindy Ruff, you know, moves around this team going from there. So we'll see. But the bottom line is that we do have Devils hockey coming back soon. And I'm very happy. And hopefully we have, you know, gotten past the biggest hurdle we're going to face this season. And now we're going to shift to the interview that we had. We had another special guest on today. And if you are a fan of the Hockey Podcast Network and you listen to a lot of the different podcasts that we have on this awesome network, you probably have come across the podcast called Habs Nightly, which basically covers the Montreal Canadiens. And I got to tell you, the Canadians are certainly the biggest surprise of the NHL so far. And they have two hosts that are involved in this. You have Mason Dixon, great guy, super passionate about the Montreal Canadiens, and he's very realistic, which I love. But we also have the other host, and his name is the Bayou Benders. And if you have listened to the Devils podcast prior to me joining, you probably heard this guy along with our other good friend, Shane Ryan. They were actually the interim Devils hosts before I joined on. I think it was called Devils Advocate to be exact. But I hit him up a couple days ago to ask him if he was willing to come on and talk about the Devils because I know he actually is a Devils fan as, as well as being a Montreal Canadiens fan. We were also going to talk about the Canadiens' hot start and some of the guys that have been involved in that. And it was just great to talk to him again. It had been a long time since we last spoke to one another, and he's a really good friend of mine. I really do appreciate him. You can follow him on Twitter at Bayou Benders, and you can also follow Habs Nightly on Twitter at Habs Nightly. So I hope you guys are ready for this one. So I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this great interview with former Devils podcast host and one of the hosts of Habs Nightly podcast, Bayou Benders. 
All right, Devils fans, we have a super special guest on with me here today on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I want to take you back to when I first joined the Hockey Podcast Network back in, I want to say it was April time frame. And, you know, my boy Isha, you know, one of the main guys here at THPN, he uh, he said to me to just jump on with uh, the interim um, Devil's hosts. Uh, one of them you, you guys have already seen for Shane Ryan, uh, who does the Senators podcast now. But there was another person that was part of that, I guess you could say the trio of the Devil's podcast towards the end before I officially took over. He is now the co-host of Habs Nightly, which is also on the Hockey Podcast Network. It covers the Montreal Canadiens. And it is a pleasure to welcome from the Bayou himself, Mr. Bayou Benders. Bayou, welcome <laughs> to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Neil. How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> that is an well, unreal intro. <laughs> well, you know what? You've given me an unreal intro before, <laughs> and I thought I'd do you. Uh, I thought I'd do the same for you. And look, man, it, this has been a long time coming. I'm so glad to have you on because, yeah, you covered the Devils for a good part of last season, you know, working with Shane while, uh, you know, before I jumped on. And, you know, we had a lot of fun the handful of episodes uh, that we did together from basically you having to calm myself and Shane down whenever we got into an argument. Every oh yeah. Episode. <laughs> the three hour long editing sessions from just fighting between you guys. <laughs> it was definitely the most entering po interesting podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, same here. And it was absolutely a blast and, you know, definitely down the road, I'm going to try to get both of you guys on for a, uh, for all time's sake, just to have a nice little debate uh, once the season really gets going. And unfortunately for the New Jersey Devils, their season has been on, has been put on pause, as most of you already know, due to a COVID-19 outbreak. They actually have the biggest COVID outbreak of any team in the National Hockey League. We are now up to 17 players Jeez. on the COVID-19 list at the moment. And I got to be honest with you, Bayou, from not just the Devils, but now we have several other teams, the Minnesota Wild the um, Colorado Avalanche, you know, a bunch of teams that are being put on pause. I don't know about you, but I personally think that there is going to be a stoppage in play throughout the entire NHL coming up very soon, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a bit scary, especially, you know, seeing like the, the women's league had to, had to postpone their season. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't make you feel any better. It makes you feel like, um, I think it was like, what? Um, it was like March 3rd last year when, you know, the complete season just ended. Yeah. Um, it's a bit scary. It's it's truthfully for being a, a person that now covers a Canadian team, it makes us really scared because, you know, and we'll get into my, my theories as the playoffs go probably, yeah. if not today or tomorrow, but oh, well, I mean not tomorrow, whenever I come back on. Mm -hmm. But um it makes me nervous because like I feel like Canada, like, yeah, their their outbreaks are bad out there as well. But just the Canadian teams have found a way to do it a little bit better than the US and it just sucks with my team. We're, we're on a, a pretty decent run right now. And it just, right. it's kind of scary when you hear uh, Neil's upset on Twitter because 17 guys are out <laughs> and he got to take yeah. a two week pause. You know, it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, you know, again, the NHL said the earliest the devils could be back is this upcoming Monday, the eighth. I really personally don't believe 
that that's going to be the case um, because of the fact that really nobody from the Devils on that list has been moved yet. Um, and again, I've mentioned this before, just because somebody's on the list doesn't mean they have it. It means that they probably were in contact with someone that's have it and they just mm -hmm. have to uh, continue to test negative. And we already had some guys on there, uh, Aaron Dell, who had the quarantine after coming from Canada. That was kind of one of the first players that had to uh, experience, you know, crossing the border and then quarantining. We had Sammy Vatanen, who uh, now is in New Jersey and is quarantining. Uh, Connor Carrick uh, left the team to see the birth of his first child. Um, so he's on the COVID list. But there's a lot of guys that are on there right now. And at least we got Mackenzie Blackwood back um, off of the list. So it's kind of a it's kind of an ironic situation that finally he gets taken off the list. But it seems like the rest of the team, the rest of the team's on pause. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of our a lot of our main guys are on that list. And it's very frustrating because we just don't know when the next game is going to be. Uh, we were supposed to have this previous two game series against Pittsburgh. Uh, that didn't happen. We were going to have a game uh, tomorrow, actually, on Saturday uh, against the Rangers. And we really honestly, truly have no idea when the next game is. So it's kind of we're kind of going back to where we were before the season began, where, you know, when we were still trying to figure out negotiations for the season, we really just have no idea when the next game is. And um, I got to tell you, Bayou, my fantasy team is getting absolutely destroyed um, because <laughs> of now it's the massive amount of games being postponed. Yeah, I um my so I got two teams. I got one team with THPN's fantasy group, and mm -hmm. it's been trouble since the start. I had to uh, basically auto draft my team, and I got mm -hmm. I got bent over on that draft. Um, and it's just been kind of survival mode, just trying to pick up waiver wires. Like I, I see you, you know, me and you are like always like in the transaction reports. Like we are just trying to make this team somewhat successful. Try to get somebody yeah. half decent here. It's super hard, and it, I love that you brought fantasy up about it, though. But it's super hard also to be to play fantasy right now because it's like you could be down just a few points, yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I got 13 more guys this week. He's only got eight, you know. He or she's only got eight, and then you all your entire list PPD, PPD, you know, postpone, postpone, postpone. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to to be. I, I can't imagine if you're in the front. And then you don't have any players and this guy's going to squeak by because two guys played and your entire team didn't. It's just, it's been tough. I, I remember uh, when, when you came on to uh, whatever we had named it, we went through like three names of the original I think it was devil's, devil's advocate at the end. I think that was the name. Yeah. The devil's advocate. Uh, yeah. I remember it was like, we were just, we all witnessed losing hockey together and it was, right. it was just frustrating and it just sucks that, here we are another another season we were supposed to we knew exactly what we needed to do the protocols and all and it's just not mm -hmm. it's just it's just another replay of last year and it's yeah. it's tough it is and you know i think this is much more difficult than what the nhl dealt with in the bubble because when you think about it you know look there were only two locations it was mm -hmm. toronto and it was edmonton and most of the teams were in one of the two and so it was easier for everybody to be quote unquote contained um, you know, the situation this year is that you have teams, even though they're not going very far, they are traveling to other cities yes. and playing in these games. So outbreaks are bound to happen. We've already seen it in the NFL. We saw it in Major League Baseball. We're seeing it in the National Basketball Association. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. So nobody should have come into the situation expecting that we were going to be perfect 
or pretty damn close to it like we were in the bubble. But it's very frustrating that these situations are happening and everybody in one way or another is getting affected. And the thing that upsets me the most is I remember Gary Bettman was on a round table a couple weeks ago and he said that the majority of our owners are going to lose billions of dollars from the season happening. So my first reaction to that was, well, then why are you playing then? And then they said, well, the owners wanted to, you know, they wanted to play the games for the fans. And I'm like, look, the fans will understand if you can't play because you're worried about owners almost flat out going broke. I mean, if that's really what it is. And unlike some other leagues, we're dealing with different types of money from different countries. You know, you Mm -hmm. have United States money and then you have Canadian money. I mean, we're dealing with a lot of different factors, different areas. And to me, and, and, you know, people might give me crap for saying this, but I personally believe that we really shouldn't be playing right now. No, uh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's – it's, it's, you're not wrong, right? So, like, it's not only like you said that, you know, they're, they're trying to do this for the fans, but you, you're, you're putting the players' health at risk. You're putting their family at risk. And then – I don't know about you, but yeah, like I'm disappointed that we didn't have hockey for a long time, mm-hmm. but like, it's not going to make it any easier for us to watch 15 games. And then the season's gone again. Like that's, that's not a real fix. You know, I would have rathered, you know, like it's like prison. Like I would have rather done my time than got out early or escaped and then came back. Like, there's just no point. Like I, I want to watch hockey. I think the rest of the hockey loving world wants to watch hockey, but why would we want to rush it and then go through the same process we did last year? Yeah. And I mean, look, the process is much different this year, in my opinion, with how we're dealing with stuff. And again, you know, we're, we're hearing about, you know, all the NHL now is considering postponing the 2021 NHL entry draft to to 2022. And, and, And this is, again, my whole point of look, Like, I understand the whole value of wanting to play and wanting these guys to, you know, be able to to play the sport that they love and have fans be able to watch. But nothing is legit, ladies and gentlemen. Most of us have not even been able to even come close to seeing a game in person. And, you know, we're already dealing with players being put on the COVID list. And it's frustrating because a lot of the time you're missing out on players for no other reason other than that. And so you are immediately being put in a difficult situation. And also we have to take into the fact as well as this, we're playing only 52 games. And even if you add in 16 wins, um, you know, for the NHL, the Stanley cup playoffs, you're not even, you're still not even playing 82 games. I mean, you're not playing the legitimate amount of games for it to be considered a you know bona fide real season um mm-hmm. you know the nba is the closest that we got because they're playing 72 so they're playing 10 fewer games than they normally do so at least in their case they're making this as legit as possible and you know the nba has done a pretty good job recently when it comes to cases they just came out with their recent report and not a single positive test which is which is kind of unbelievable when you really think about it but maybe they really are doing some good stuff like the NHL was doing uh, during the bubble. But again, I look at this whole situation and I say, at some point it's going to get so out of hand with the cases that the NHL is going to have no choice, but to stop everything for a week, two weeks. I I really don't know. And, you know, because also they're being respectful and not trying to jump the line 
to get the vaccine, you know, it obviously makes it even more difficult. So, I mean, I don't really know where the NHL can go from here, to be honest with you. Yeah, this is tough. And I love the dedication to this, this, this league is trying to present and, and trying to make fans happy. Um, it's like my heart goes out. I mean, they're doing their best to do what's right. I, I feel like the bubble almost gave them a false sense of, of hope that they could do this again outside mm-hmm. of the bubble. It, this is just such a tough call. Um, I mean, I think we're all going to be upset if, if the league has to postpone, but I mean, I don't see an outcome. I don't see, cause I'm not going to say it's not Canada's fault. They're doing pretty good, but it's like, I don't think teams are really contracting it through each other, like you know, on the, at the game and shit like yeah. that. Other than people having to go outside, you know, like, like planes and, and without the bubble, I don't see this happening. I don't, it, it's just so tough. Like, mm-hmm. like look at teams like Florida, like Florida's yep. like a fucking mutant, right? Like they have just been enveloped in COVID. So it's like their players have probably have the best, antibodies you know just like the best immune system for this imagine going to play in a in a hotbed of covid yeah. like the chances of contracting this shit is is astronomical i mean like we saw with ovi and them just like it's almost like they're they're imprisoning themselves to play this game which yeah. they don't mind you know th- this is how they make their living this is what they want to do with their life but it's like right. you were doing everything to put them in a bubble without putting them in the bubble but expecting the same bubble results and we're not getting it because we're not, we haven't quarantined this entire league and it's, I don't see an option and it's, it's just frustrating to see, you know, my team doing well or just any team in general, anyone who's having a successful season is sitting in the back of the head. Like, when are we going to get that call? You know, when is the season going to stop and all of our progress and, you know, our movement forward is just for nothing. And look, not every team so far, you know, knock on wood, has, you know, dealt with an outbreak. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of the Canadian teams have done a pretty bang up job. Um, partially, I think the main, re- actually, I think the main reason for that is because, you know, look, they're all staying in that one country. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. going around like a lot of these other NHL teams are. And, you know, look, whether, you know, say what you want, you know, the United States has not done the world's greatest amount of job when it comes to containing this virus. Um, but now that we have some new leadership, maybe things will, will start to change in a more positive manner. But, you know, that remains to be seen. But you look at this situation and yeah, I mean, nothing, a lot of this just doesn't feel legit. I mean, even watching games, you, you notice that there's no fans for maybe five minutes and then you just kind of get back into your whole realm of watching, you know, the game itself and going like that. But still, it's, it's such a difficult thing and it's so hard to keep players from, you know, doing things that they normally would do, want to see family. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to be able to be somewhat free. And in reality, it's like, Hey, you, you signed up for this and you have to follow these rules. And, and it's difficult because even if you follow these rules, it's not going to be 100% accurate. And the other thing that people don't realize is that we're also dealing with new variants of this damn virus. So that's making it even more difficult that now we're, we're struggling with maybe the vaccine that we have right now isn't preparing, isn't really good enough to handle the variants that we have, that we're dealing with now. And so, like you said, Bayou, it's just a, it's a frustrating time. And I'm hoping, 
I like to be optimistic, but I also try to be realistic. Like I've mentioned before, it's just, let's just see what happens, but you never know. Things could take a turn for the better, you know, in a split second. We, we don't know, but right now it's difficult because you have a handful of teams that are just sitting around wondering to themselves, okay, when are we going to play again? Are we, right. are we going to play again? I mean, Devils fans have asked me, Neil, when do you think the Devils are going to come back? I really have no idea. I mean, we could all wait till February 8th and then see what happens. But if it's if it's like 8 o'clock on Sunday while you're watching the Super Bowl and you haven't heard anything about guys getting off the list, there's a really good chance at that point that you realize this is going to be longer than what they're saying. So mm -hmm. who knows? Um, but it's, you know... I try to be optimistic, but like, it's really, it's just really, really hard, honestly. So. Oh, it really is. I think, I think the best thing that they did do was to try to postpone the season past like the big holidays. I think that was a great, it mm -hmm. was a great ploy. Um, but I, at this point you have to just ride, you just have to ride or die. You know, you just have to, it's either when, when is the season going to get postponed? Right. And you just keep, day at a time thinking that and then hopefully we have a, the entire season but until then it, it's now to the forefront they have no idea when these guys are coming back they can give you a logistic they can give you an idea but truthfully like you said there is no telling like how do you how do you return back to play you've been out for three weeks yeah and you've played 12 games the rest of the leagues on you know game 30 yeah. you know like this is like I said, I, I think it's going to be one or two teams that, like, maybe it's New Jersey that's really going to, I wouldn't say fold this season, but it's they're going to be like, hey, like, there's no way in hell this team's going to catch up. How do we keep them in the in the in this playoff, you know, or, or in this this run, you know? Yeah, and and I like that you brought up um, the women's hockey league. For those of you that don't know, that's the National Women's Hockey League, the NWHL. They were in the middle of having their, um, I guess, tournament. It was like uh, tournament style season. Yeah, exactly. Basically what the NHL was doing last year, um, you know, with, with their situation. And everything was fine for the first two or three days. And then the the Metropolitan Riveters, which is the local team for us, you know, here in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut area, um, they had a COVID outbreak and they decided to withdraw themselves from the entire tournament. And then like two days later, another team, I believe it was Buffalo or yeah, somebody. The Buttes, I think. The Buttes, the Buttes. Uh, withdrew in the NA, and then the NWHL like a day later said all right well that's the end of that and that you don't think the NHL is looking at that and going oh this is this is going to get really bad isn't it and it's like yeah it's going to get it it's one of those things where you look at it and you say it's probably going to get worse oh absolutely because I mean think about it that's a a, a six-team league mm -hmm. you know that was just trying to do like a two-month tournament Mm -hmm. And they were, if I'm basically almost bubble, you know, like it, it was such a small group. Right. And I just feel bad. They, they finally got a chance to play again. They got like, oh, sh like a, a, over a million views. It was like astronomical. Oh, yeah. Like it was like, I might be ballparking, but I think it was like 21 million or some shit, like yeah. just, just in, in a total for, for just watching these games. And, and I just feel so bad. They lost the momentum, but like if a six team league, is going to be like, you know, we, we just can't do it. It's, it's not, it's not because we don't want to, we just, yeah. it's not safe. Imagine a 31 team league that's going to play, you know, months of hockey. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel bad. I feel bad for New Jersey fans. Uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you're wearing that luscious watermelon jersey right now. But <laughs> they were, I mean, you're scheduled, what, like four days from now? It was the first chance for anyone to see see the, the retros on ice. And it's Yeah, we it's tough. wear them against the Rangers, yep. It's yeah. tough. It, it is. And it's, um, you know, again, we're in the same limbo that we were in when we were trying to figure out if we were going to have a season in the first place. It's like, mm -hmm. I have literally no idea when we're going to see these guys again. And it's frustrating because I look at the last game the Devils played before they went into uh, hiatus. You know, they, they won five to three in Buffalo and they finished getting three out of a possible four points that they could get. So they had some momentum going into Pittsburgh and I, and, you know, look, and we'll talk about the Devils, you know, kind of reviewing them so far through a measly nine games, if you can, but we haven't even played 10 games yet. Um, they've, you know, it's, it's been, it's been enjoyable in many ways to see a lot of the, you know, younger players finally getting their chance to play in the NHL. And now they're being put on pause again. And you think about the guy that I feel the most bad for is Jack Hughes. And I'll tell you why, because last year, his head coach got fired. His general manager got fired. Their star player got traded. And he didn't even finish the season because of because of COVID. Now he comes into this year. He's a house on fire with three goals and five assists on the year. And now he gets put on pause again because of COVID. So it's just like, it's, it's for him, I'm pretty sure if you went back two years ago, I'm pretty sure he was not thinking, I'm going to have very little time to actually play in the NHL and it has nothing to do with me. And that's, and I feel bad for all the players because now they're just, a lot of the time they're just sitting around just trying to figure out, you know, how can we stay in shape? How, you know, when is our next game? And now we have to do everything virtual again. Like it's just, it's a very, very tough time. And I'm just hoping that some, you know, something gets resolved. And again, if the NHL decided to put the season on pause, I wouldn't necessarily be that against it. I would be disappointed, but at the same time, I would say it's probably the right thing to do because of what's going on right now. 100%. And there's going to be a lot of backlash when that happens because there's a lot of teams that aren't dealing with this. But it'll – how do you – you can't contain this. You know, right. like uh, those teams that aren't being affected by it, guaranteed, will be affected by it. And if I'm being honest with you, I'd rather be in your shoes right now, have it affect early mm -hmm. than when you're on a run and it's late in the season and these points are like – you need these, you know, you need these points now. It's a small season, but yeah. like when it is more on the line, imagine going out. And that's why I was talking about the playoffs. Like imagine the, the, the Canadian, whatever Canadian team has to play a U.S. team, they're not going to win and it's fucked up. They're not going to win because that U.S. team is going to give them COVID. And, and they're, then they're not going to know what to do. They've right. never had to experience what the U.S. is going through right now. Right. And they're going to be like, how do we shuffle lines? Well, what, what, what do we do? How do we bring these people up? Right. And it's, um, it's going to well, suck. But, but what you said about, um, about Hughes, that's tough. And, and I really, as you were saying, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, it's tough for the rookies. It's tough. At all. It's, it's really just tough for everyone. Everyone's window, you know, it seems long, you know, no one, not everyone's going to play like Yarmir Yager or, right. <laughs> you know, but, you have a small window of, of your best years. And I feel yeah. bad for the young guys and for the old guys that are trying to keep it around. Cause it's just like, you're losing that time 
mm-hmm. and you can't do anything about it. It's not like you're injured. You know, it's not like you, you like Joe Thornton. I feel bad for him, but he's, he's an, he's on IR. He's long-term, right. you know, yeah. some of these guys have a chance and they're, they're not going to get it. And the young guys like Jack Hughes, it sucks because this is their development years. You know, you see guys like this three years in and they're fucking ready. He's on his second year and he's might've played 60, 60, 70 games. Yeah. You know, he might've, he might be close to a full season in two seasons, you know, like. He, he might, I mean, I don't think, you know, he's played enough games where he's no longer eligible to be a rookie. So he's, you know, it's just his second year technically, but again, it just, it's frustrating to see, you know, for a devil's team like us, you know, look, were we expect, are we expected to make the playoffs? No, we're expected to be a team towards the bottom of the NHL. And right now that's not the case. And it's exciting because we're being competitive. We haven't been blown out in any game we've played so far. Yeah, we played some games where we didn't look that good, but we were still in the game and we probably could have escaped with at least a point. Um, you know, so, but again, you look at the players, you know, we're trying to get these young guys to be developed so we can continue the rebuild and move from there. And now we're just in this, um, we're just in this purgatory like situation where it's just like, you know, we're stuck. We can't, nobody can do anything about it because we got to wait. And, you know, like I said, you know, guys like Igor Sharangovich, Ty Smith, Jack Hughes, uh, Michael McLeod, you know, they're, they're off to really solid starts this season as young guys. And now again, they're sitting on the pine waiting for the next opportunity to even come back on the ice. And then today, you know, just today on, um, let's say Friday, February 5th, you know, the Binghamton Devils, you know, the AHL affiliate of the New Jersey Devils, they were supposed to have their first game of the year. And it got postponed because of COVID. So everybody at all levels is dealing with this. I'm, I cover a junior hockey team uh, near me and we have a game actually this Sunday. And this is only like the second or third game we've been, we've done in the past month and change because there was a COVID breakout within, within our team and with some other teams. And it's just, everybody knows that this doesn't feel legit. And it's just, after a while you get just tired of having mm-hmm. to constantly start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. When, you know, there's no clear, like, we can't just do it smoothly like we did before. And I'll say this, the NHL is going to look a lot different. And sports in general is going to look a lot different on the other side of this when we really, at some point, get COVID-19 um, contained, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what scares me is that this started at the ass end of 19. We're in 21 how old is is you know the jack hughes how how old how old are these kids going to be by the time sports are back to normal you know pre pre pre-covid and i just feel so bad like the talented the talent lost the the opportunities lost and it's i mean the the easiest way to put it is like as as a country as 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 you know just everyone in the world like Mm -hmm these players are going through the exact same thing as we are. So yeah. why would we expect their league to handle it any better than we are? Like if we can't get a hold of it as a nation, how is the fucking league going to just get a hold of, of their unit of it? It's, right. it's crazy. And, you know, like you said, we got, we got new people in power. Hopefully we can get a swing on things, but I'm scared that this is beyond that. 
you know, this is, this is beyond getting a grip on it. And we just got to ride this out. You know, this is, this is a tough time to be a sports fan, to just be alive in general. But Mm -hmm. for people that depend on hockey and and other sports as, as, as a way to, to, to get by, you know, to just have a, a better day. This is, this is just going to be another tough year. Yeah. And I don't know how the NFL did it, but I guess 16, 16 games is a lot easier than 50, 56 or whatever, whatever change we're at right now. But yeah, it's, this is tough. You know, we, we, we could end this season as a NFL season, you know, like this, that's scary. Yeah. Like, Oh, we got not, like, like nine and five, baby. You know, that's right, the season. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it, look. I mean, you know, I think one of the reasons it was a little bit easier with the NFL is that they only play once a week. You know, they play True. on Sunday. Uh, sometimes you play on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, especially this year. Um, <laughs> basically, every day of the week, uh, they played at least one game. But I think it was easier for them to deal with it because then again, half the time you were just, you know, your game wasn't until the end of the week. So, right. you know, that is a good point argument there, but again, they dealt with it the same. They, they dealt with the same problems as well. Luckily for them, they didn't deal with any sort of massive outbreak except with the, um, I believe it was the Ravens that had an outbreak yeah. earlier in the year, but they were able to handle that. Okay. The NBA hasn't had a massive outbreak yet. Um, I know that they just signed up on having an all-star game in March, which I don't think is a good idea considering it's not, I mean, I don't really see the value in it if there's no fans there. And also it's, it's tough enough to deal with not getting COVID during the regular season, but to add something like that is, is not great. And, and I agree with you, Bio. I think at this point, the NHL, it, there's no going back. Now you just have to ride whatever you just got to deal with what you've put yourself into. And you just got to hope that things change. And if they don't, you got to get to a you got to get to a point where you say to yourself this is too much and we have to stop and i think it's going to take i hate saying this but i think it's going to have to take another team or two for the nhl to really mm-hmm. be like we can't do this anymore like if, if one whole division goes under th- oh. that's it you know that's we're it we're done yeah right it's over if there's no and it's you know and that's where you just got to put it and look you have teams in different divisions dealing with this you know vegas vegas is playing tonight and this is the first game they've played in, I think, almost two weeks. So I have to, so like, how are they going to come out? And they had their whole coaching staff dealing with the damn thing. Yeah, I think was, they had, like, their assistant GM come stand in a game. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, what are we doing here? And, you know, you look at, like, and so, again, you know, Colorado, when it, they're not going to – they're not even allowed to be back in their own building until the 14th. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. And – the Devils, I hate saying this, but it's not going to be over and done with on the 8th. It's going to take longer than that because of just when you deal with an outbreak, it doesn't quickly go away. It takes time. It takes quarantining. It can. It takes being safe and testing negative, and, and that's the tough thing. So to kind of wrap up this little point, and trust me, folks, we'll get to some more positive stuff in just a moment. But, again, it's just a very tough situation to be in and i just hope that no other team gets in this type of situation because i'll tell you right now being a fan of a team that's on pause it's not fun to once again just sit around and wonder when the next game we're gonna play so that's really the situation that we're in but let's go to some positives shall we i wanted to 
bring Bayou on because, like I said, he used to cover the New Jersey Devils, and he, and he knows the Devils pretty well. And the Devils and, and Canadians have had a really good relationship for many years uh, because, you know, you think about it, a lot of former Habs players have eventually gone and done something with the Devils. Larry Robinson, Claude Lemieux, probably missing a bunch of other guys. Um, Claude Julian, I believe, also was a coach with the Devils for a little while. Uh, so they have a lot of history. Um, Jacques Lemaire as well. I forgot about Jacques. So there's a lot of, um, I always said that the Devils system, you know, the neutral zone trap system actually came from a system that was developed originally by the Habs uh, in the 80s. So I kind of always said the Devils were the, the I guess, American version of the Canadians. That's always the way I looked at it. But by, let's look at the Devils so far. They're 4-3-2. and two. Fifth in the Mass Mutual East Division. I'm never going to get used to saying that. Um, <laughs> again, guys, I get the point of having a name for every division, but let you know this. This is basically the Metropolitan Division without the Blue Jackets. I mean, that's really what it is. And the Devils have gotten 10 out of a possible 18 points so far. And I don't know about you, but they are certainly one of the surprises so far this season. Because I think when you think about where people thought the Devils were going to be to where they are right now is certainly a positive surprise. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice look. Uh, it's, it's been a bit tough, but you know what? They're getting, they're getting the points and in a season where it's so important to, to at least take it to overtime, at least, at least they've done that. And I mean, the only reason you're not in fourth place right now is just because uh, Pittsburgh's got one point over y'all. And, and, and that's, that's it, you know, like one, one win, but um, I'm just impressed. I mean, you literally three points out of, out of a top spot. Yep. And that's, that's not hard to do with a team that's, that's doing this well. I mean, they have their bumps and bruises, but I mean, it, it, at moments, it seems like the team's really coming together. I'm so impressed with miles wood. Uh, he was one of my favorite players to watch last year. Yep. Um, I, you know, just to after, recording and 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 being a part of the devil's podcast last season at the ass end of it you know all you could talk about was promise of the future talk yeah. about what you could possibly do because we weren't really having that great of a, a the on the back end you know right so what could you do but just talk about this season coming up you know the pieces that that we can get you know what what we're going to do pk Subban wants to stick around he wants to help build this team you know i got i got, I got a little love for pk regardless of where he's at now but i know you do <laughs> I know you do. You know, it's just it's it's just tough to to actually feel like, hey, look, like we're doing good. You know, um, yeah. we're keeping it alive. We're we're staying right in the middle, right where they need to be. You know, right where they need to be because sooner or later there's going to be a swing. This team's got a connection building, and that's only going to move them up up yeah. the standings. So you know, sit in the middle for a bit. You know, it, it, you'll turn into a sleeper pick. You know, which you basically are at this point. <laughs> I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Look again. Um, you know there was very little expectations going into the year. So for, you know, the, the mantra for this team this year is enjoy the ride. I mean, this is just, like we said, this is a season like no other um, with all the things that every team has to deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, look, the devils, we knew it was going to be majority, you know, the majority of the roster was going to be young. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to get more minutes than they ever did. Some guys making their NHL debuts, you know, making contributions. And it's, it's been a surprise. It's been great. You know, Jack Hughes, he looks far and away better than he did his rookie year. Three goals, five assists so far. I mean, he's racking it up. He's been, he's look, he looks faster. He's stronger. Um, he's more elusive. 
And then you mentioned a guy like Miles Wood. And I remember during the first day of training camp when he was speaking with the media, talking about Wood, Miles Wood said that it was time for him to step up, you know, in his role with this team, no longer being one of the young guys. He's one of the veteran players now on this team, even though he's still only 24, 25 years of age, he has to step up and he has stepped up big time so far, five goals, which leads the team three assists. And that puts him in a tie with Jack Hughes for points. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I'm happy for him because there have been times where he drives me absolutely up the wall <laughs> with, um, you know, I always said he was, he's always just like, if he can get his stick handling to be better, that makes him that much more of a great player because he, he has great speed. He's physical. He can put the puck in the back of the net, you know, obviously with dirty goals, but if he can, you know, get a stick handling down, he can be that much more effective. And that's what he has. And then you have guys like Michael McLeod, who finally, after like 45 career games, finally got his first NHL <laughs> goal and then had his first two goal game in the win over Buffalo last Sunday. And, you know, the, obviously the biggest, probably the biggest guy to talk about has to be Ty Smith, two goals, six assists so far in his rookie year. And I don't know if you had a chance to see him perform at all by you, but this kid looks like a guy that could be that main, you know, catalyst for the devil's defense for years to come. And he, he really looks like a guy that's on a mission to become a tremendous two-way defenseman. I have to keep an eye out for him. Um, this is really what they need. They need some, they need, they got youth as forwards. They, they need a little bit of youth on the back end. And I mean, he's got, he's got a pretty good role model in PK Subban. I'm not going to lie. He might be a little flashy, but <laughs> you know, this is a guy that's, that's been, you know, hasn't made it to the finals. Hasn't won a cup. I'm, I'm sorry. He's, he's made it to the he finals. He didn't make the finals with Na I was going to say. With Nashville, yeah. With Nashville, but um, yeah. That, that, he's a good veteran. And regardless of if you hate him or not, you, you might not like his play. He's got, he's got some knowledge to share with people. And Ty Smith is really going to learn something from him. Um, what you were saying though, you know, you got these guys like, uh, like McLeod, like who's when, when those players are finding their game, this is the most integral time for this team's success. Mm -hmm. And it sucks so bad that you got to sit, you know, on postponement. Yeah. Because this is this is how you win games when you got guys finding their rhythm that aren't as you know they're they're not gonna be offensively you know big for this team when when Mechliad and Miles Wood had a he's he's having a great start I mean he had eleven goals last season and he's he's halfway there you know um, but when you're when you're small when your depth players start producing is when you have to ride that wave and I feel so bad because you know, where is this wave going to be when we get back to play? That's a good point. And, you know, look, you got to give credit where credit is due to Lindy Ruff and the coaching staff. You know, they're an offensive type of coaching staff, which is kind of a breath of fresh air over the last, you know, from the last couple of years. And they really believe in these young players and really believe that they can be, you know, big contributors to the team's success. And, you know, guys like McLeod, guys like Nathan Mastin, Yanni Kwokinen, you know, guys that, maybe are not the biggest names within the organization are making contributions, even if they're on the same line. And, you know, it's just great to see. And I'm glad that Miles Wood's offensive game is improving more. Jack Hughes, the same thing. Igor Sharangovich, who was tearing it up in the KHL before he got here. And even though he only has one goal, one assist, he's still a very impactful player that if developed 
correctly, um, can be, you know, a guy that can get us 30 goals a year with his scoring ability. And again, like you mentioned, with the fact that we're on pause right now, all of that development kind of gets put on hold because we just got to deal with, you know, whenever our outbreak comes to an end. But I think the bottom line, when you look at the Devils so far through less than 10 games, it's crazy. Again, it's like, let's say we still have 43 more games left to play in theory, um, you know, before the season ends. And we're already seeing the future being very, very bright. And we have some young guys in the system that, um, that haven't even played the NHL yet that could really be beneficial. Guys that we drafted like Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer and, uh, you know, Shakir Mohamedouline. I mean, there's, there's all these guys. And it just makes you excited and hopeful that this team will continue to improve. And we'll see how the rest of this year play out if we ever play hockey again. Because, I, like I said, I have no freaking idea. But let's, let's go across the border to Montreal and let's talk about the Habs. Because I said before that the Devils were one of the biggest surprises of the season. I think it is safe to say, Bayou, that the Canadians are the biggest surprise of the NHL so far this year. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> because <laughs> all of Twitter just can't stand it. They think we're bums and shit. But, I mean, that that's, that's Twitter, you know. But as a Habs fan, there's no person more proud, more surprised than the Habs community because we haven't felt this good. I mean, since right before PK left, you know, uh, when we lost to Tampa Bay, you yeah. know, it's it's been tough. You know, um, I remember hating Mark Bergevin so much, so much <laughs> for the moves he made. We lost our entire veteran defensive core, mm-hmm. you know, um, and now we're just ride or die with MB, you know, like whatever right. moves he makes, they're turning it into just glorious, glorious trades. Um but this team, I don't know. Like we've we've talked about just me missing just a few pieces. This puzzle's almost complete, and it's a complete puzzle. I'm I'm super excited to be witnessing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've never seen a team bring in, you know, two new forwards, and we'll just isolate on Anderson and Toffoli. Yeah. But like to bring in two forwards and immediately impact and turn this team around. Like, yeah. Uh, we brought it up last, uh, maybe last episode, you know, I asked Mason, I was like, how do you, how do you go about finding someone's impact to a team? Like when was the last time someone like Tyler Toffoli went up against his former team and just basically wrote them a check and was like, Hey, I own you guys. Like, you know, and we couldn't find anything like there's, there's no way you should be able to play that well. And it's not just Toffoli, this entire team's doing good. And, you know, like people like KK, that's not really, seeing the offensive numbers, you know, you're not seeing that from them yet. Like it's not that this team is now a complete team. We're playing a complete game and everyone on the team is pulling their slack. Now people are kind of rodding Roman off right now, but just like your guy, uh, Sharon, how how do you you pronounce Sharon Govich, Sharon Govich, right? Like you said, you know, he's, he's only got one goal of the season, you know, he's nine games in, but you know what? That's not bad. There's a learning curve. If you watch Roman off, there's a couple, there was a blunder last night. You know, he didn't know that um, there was a moment where we were going to go on a, on a power play, but, you know, we had the empty net before it, and he didn't realize that he could still, you know, he could move it back into 
our offensive zone yeah. to to continue to play. There's just just a bit of a learning curve, and he's learning. Um, but you know that that's that's just to come when you when you have kids like that coming yeah. overseas. But we're just playing a really successful game, and um, I can't just pin it on someone like Tyler Toffoli or Anderson. I, I you know even though I just talked about them, <laughs> but as a whole, this team is just playing lights out. Nick Suzuki is. <clears throat> excuse me, they've been talking about it a bit. They're like, oh, you know, Deneau's not getting his 26 minutes like he did last season. And I think if you look at it, we talked about it. Nick Suzuki is our number one forward with minutes right now. He's almost becoming, in my opinion, our top centerman. He's kind of weak on the on the, on the the faceoff right now. Yeah. But it has, has to be expected. You know, he's getting a lot more time and he's going to yeah. develop well. But, you know, we're seeing – we're seeing a change in this team. You know, I didn't want to see Max Domi go. I didn't know who the fuck Josh Anderson was. I don't think no one knew who Josh Anderson was if you weren't a Columbus fan, but this team has been incredible. Um, Jeff Petrie is to be honest, overshadowing Shea Weber. You know, if you don't follow the Habs, you hear Shea Weber and you're like, okay, that's probably a dynamite, you know, defenseman. And Jeff Petrie came to this team rather young, hungry, and he's making that trade look insane. Like there's, yeah. there's they didn't get anything. Like they, they got two draft picks and they were trash. They don't, no one from that trade is in that organization anymore. And we have Jeff Petrie who um, I'm not sure after last night, but was within the lead for defensemen and points. So it's, he's lights out right now. Mm-hmm. Just as a whole, this team has been incredible to watch. It's, when when Bell Let's Talk came around, I didn't post anything. Right. Um, you know, referring to this, but I was like, you know what, Bell Let's Talk. Someone needs to to point out that you know Canadians hockey playing this well is probably saving a lot of like a lot of lives, a lot of a lot of depressing moments that are now being diminished by this team that's just Absolutely. playing like they've been together for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, I think if you would have told me at the beginning of the year the Canadians would have been one of the hottest teams in the NHL, I would have said, eh, maybe, I don't know. I remember when the Max Domi trade happened, um, you know, Josh Anderson, when he was in Columbus, when he was healthy, was very, very productive. And that was kind of the big thing that when the Canadians got him, everybody said, this is great if he stays healthy. I said the and, exact same thing. And then they gave him that massive contract and I almost fell over my chair and I said, if this doesn't work, I think Bergevin's going to get like burnt at the stake because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, of all the moves that he's made, this is that one. I will say though, that Bergevin is an absolute unit. If you've never seen him in like person or <laughs> seen a picture of him. This dude's a fucking freak, man. This guy is a freak. He may, like, I don't, I would love, here's the thing. I would love to see like an arm wrestling matchup between Bergevin and Rob Brindamore. Because uh, like, okay, yeah, <laughs> these two guys are like they're in better shape than the players that they that they tr- that they have on the team. I mean, Bergevin could go into that locker room and just wrestle anybody on the team and probably win. I mean, he's that he's that jacked. I don't I don't know what he does. I don't know what gym he goes to. You Look, know. it was so funny because we had Shea Weber's hundredth uh, game ceremony yesterday, and they had. They had Mark Bergevin pop up on the screen and this dude looked like a complete bum. He was just like, he just didn't look good. Like 
like just he was just wearing like you know a hoodie and you know his hair was messed up kind of like a five o'clock shadow but it's like i'm laughing because i'm looking at this and i'm like this dude looks terrible but then like if you just pan down that dude has probably got like a 12 pack you know <laughs> he's got a case and a half he's ripped like, beyond belief dude's wearing clothes that conceal the weapon that that, that is mark birch man i couldn't <laughs> help but laugh last night when i saw it it's 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 quite the impressive job and you know look bergevin's been criticized a lot like you mentioned for a lot of moves that he's made mm -hmm. but he made the move of the, of the offseason by by signing tyler Toffoli. and i think the reason why tyler Toffoli is playing as well as he's playing is for a couple reasons number one i think he's finally being treated as that big time player that he can be mm -hmm. um i'm not saying he wasn't like that he wasn't treated like that in vancouver but you do have Elias Pettersson, you do have Bo Horvat, you do have, you know, Quinn Hughes, you have some other guys on that team that maybe take way more of the attention from Tyler Toffoli. And now Toffoli's playing in arguably the toughest market in the NHL, you know, playing in Montreal and doing the type of damage that he's done. I think he's just happy that he's playing for a team that really, really wanted him and gave him the money that he felt like he really deserved. And the fact that they gave him that money and that contract in a COVID year was also quite uh, a very ballsy. <laughs> it was very ballsy. And I remember one Canadians fan who I follow, he was like, Bergevin is doing things I never thought I'd see him do. I don't know how to feel about this. Like it was like, it was this whole thing. Like, should we feel happy that he did it? Should we feel nervous that he did it? You know, it's, it's one of those things. And I love that you brought up Jeff Petrie because I, I don't know why it is, but every time I see him, I hear his name, I say Jeff Petrie dish, because that's like the first thing that <laughs> in my mind. Um, you know, he's he's kicking ass. Five goals, eight assists as a defenseman. Unreal. I mean, everybody would dream to have a defenseman that good. And you know what? Shea Weber, he's having a pretty good year, especially on my fantasy team. He's having a pretty good year. <laughs> Two goals, five assists. You know, I know you love PK Bayou, but I got to be honest with you. I think the Habs won that trade between – predators and 100 percent. It's, it's i'm not biased anymore you know like and it, it was it was such a tough it was so tough when it happened because i'm a nashville fan as well so it's it's like okay i'm both of my two favorite players on on each team are, are moving so it was just like uh, new places not new faces you know type yeah. of thing but uh we've won that we've won that trade we've won i think patcheretti's doing good and I, i'm happy for him right but he just was not doing that for us anymore. Right. And I think we're, we're winning pretty good on that trade right now. I, Patrick Reddy's got his points, but we got two people that are both successfully moving up. I mean, yes. Tatar has been on the first line for a couple of years and he's, mm -hmm. he's no, he's no pushover. And Nick Suzuki's turning in to our future number one center. Um, Mason likes to say that we don't have four lines. We got, we got line one, a one line, one, one B and then, you know, two A, two B, um, and I, and I, I love that analogy. Loves to say it, but um, I want I want to point just just go back to Tyler Toffoli for a second because because you you intrigued me when when you brought it up. I think he had the success. You saw it with Vegas. He got put on one of his best lines, and and Mason's like I don't I don't care. I think that's stupid. But that seventy line that seventies line was great for him. It gave awesome. him it let him improve his game, and it showed him exactly what type of play he was going to be in the the NHL. Mm -hmm. the the kings kind of fell fell off right you know he wasn't it, whatever what happened to the kings right but 
he goes to Vancouver, and like you said, there's there's a lot of stars there. There's a lot of people that he's got to prove that he can be in their spot. But I think what was awesome about Vancouver was is is that it gave him a chance to to see that he could still play that type of game. And it was just that the, the Kings were just aging and and losing players that were that were benefiting his style of play. He goes to Vancouver. He has a great job. He wanted to stay in Vancouver. You know, uh, they just couldn't they couldn't make it work for him. But what yeah. better place to go than your favorite team as a child? You know, you're going to play better there just for that thought. Your family loves that team. And then you get paired along uh, KK, excuse me, you get paired along KK and Armia, but now Perry. And guess what? You're having a chance to play just like you did in L.A. with Jeff Carter and Pearson. You did it in Vancouver, and now you're on a team where you don't have to fight for that spot. Yeah, there's a lot of stars here, but guess what? You got put, granted, it's the, the third line, but guess what? That line is not considered the third line. Your numbers, your minutes, you're, they're high. You know, you're not getting played small amounts of time. You're getting everything you would want on a first line, and he's – how can you argue with that? It, you yeah. can just see it in his play, yeah. you know, that he's he's happy. So, he, but uh, – He's, he's been kicking ass. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, you know, he leads the league in goals with nine. Um, and that's crazy thing. Cause you think about Connor McDavid has something like what 20 points already this year, or some ridiculous mm-hmm. number. Well, they had like a six, a, a five point night, you yeah, know, a five point night. Like it's yeah, just... they're still not going to make the playoffs. So, I mean, it's not like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's the same Oilers to me, but that we're not talking about the Oilers. Yeah. But it's, it's imp- like you're saying, it's impressive about that, but it's just that one line. Yeah, he's going to have the points. You know, what's what's crazy about the Habs is that Mason pointed out there's only, I think, seven guys on the team that don't have a goal, and two of them are on – two of them are in the taxi squad, and two of them are goalies. You know, like, that that's crazy. You know, like, the, everyone is finding the back of the net. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, last night we're now at seven shorthanded goals. Like, this team is unreal, like – you shouldn't be playing this well after the season we just <laughs> right, had previously. Now I, I got to ask you, I got to ask you because I like to uh, stir the pot a little bit, but are you enjoying the fact that you are beating up on Shane Ryan's team? Um, you know, winning last night, uh, actually, no, you, you no, we, we lost last night. And you know what? A lot of people are making fun of us because they're like, you know what? They, of course you'd lose to Ottawa. Let me tell you something. We always end up losing to an Ottawa or a New Jersey and it's an easy understanding once you put it this way. That's a team that's not doing good. So they're not yeah. – how do I say this? They're they're going to play heavy. They're playing for pride at this point. They're not playing for skill. Yeah. They're going to try to attack you. There was like three nights last night where I was like, okay, we just lost – we just lost Anderson to a neck injury. Uh, you know, we just lost Corey Perry for, for you know – not wearing a big enough fucking glove and it hit him right in the wrist. And then he drops the gloves and I'm like, Hey, you know, like you just got a wrist injury. Don't fucking punch somebody. Like, you know, like like it's just, they're going to beat you up physically because that's how they're going to have to play this entire season to get back. And then they're not worried about a system, you know, and they're they're not going out. They're going to, if you look at a lot of their plays, it's just like shit that would never work, but it's working because they don't have, they don't, they're not doing well enough to, to try to play the correct system. They're just doing anything and hoping that it works and it's working and it always works against us because we're not used to playing a team that's that hungry to get a point. 
you know, and it's going to happen. And like, uh, Richie, Richie Suave hit me. He's like, what the hell's happening? I bet on that, on the Habs against Montreal. And I'm like, that's not the smartest thing to do because this team has played teams that are trying hard to win. And Ottawa is playing hard period because they're just not having, they're not having a successful start to the season. So they're just out to fucking destroy people. Right. It's a different style of game. You know, like last night I was like, someone fucking hit somebody like, other than Romanov, like, you know, like we got to, we got to play the body. Like we got to show them that we can stand with them because all they're going to do is like, I'm not saying they're trying to injure us, but they're going to end up hurting somebody because they're going to play an aggressive style because they're hungry. They just want to prove that they deserve to be here. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it's one of those things where you say, you know, when you're, when you're a good team and you're playing a team that's not as good as you are, and maybe even, you know, one of the worst teams, you, you take it for granted. Um, you don't take them seriously. And then you get, you know, you get sidetracked and you just, you end up taking an L because you didn't come out emotionally and mentally prepared to play a game like that. So that's, that's what it is. But they do have a game tomorrow against the same Ottawa team uh, on the road at a one o'clock start time, which is, a, again, one o'clock on a Saturday. To me. I just really hope I remember that, Neil, and I'm yeah. awake for it. Like... Trust me. I'll, I'll send you a friendly. <laughs> I'll say, I actually found out this is a free game on the NHL app, so I actually would be able to watch it if I want to. Good. Um, it, it, I think it'll be a very aggressive game because you, you that's what the Habs have to do. We, we tried to prove you know, with, with all these acquisitions that we're going to play whatever style of game you want to play. And last night we did not, we did not live up to that. Yeah. You know, if, if Ottawa wants to play, I'm not going to say dirty, but if they want to play aggressive, that's what we got to do. Sometimes it's, it's more about leaving, you know, leaving the game, knowing that you proved the point and that's cool. Ottawa's entire motto just yeah. about every season, you know, we're proving a point. So. Yeah. And I, and, and look, because you're playing the same team so many times after a while, you're just going to know what's coming. And I think Mm -hmm. it's about figuring out what worked in the last game, what didn't work and how you can improve. And look, most teams have not been able to win both games in a back-to-back against the same opponent. They usually end up taking an L in the next one. So I think the Canadians will come out better in this game. Um, I don't know who played um, in net, for the Habs, I think it was. Probably- it was it was Carey Price versus. Um- so I think I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Allen got the start. And I wanted, and but you know, before we wrap up, I did want to bring that up. Um, I said that the reason that I picked Carey Price to win the you know the Vesna Trophy this year is because he finally has a legit backup. Now I'm sure people wonder, well, what the hell, like, what the hell does a backup have to do with him winning the Vesna? Well, it just means that he doesn't have to play. Like, well, if it was normal season, 60, 65 games, you know, this guy can play, you know, 50 some odd games and be all right. And so far for Jake Allen, which again was a tremendous move by Mark Bergevin to bring him in, you know, he's done well, three and one, 202 goals against average and a 0.930 save percentage. And, you know, the only thing about Carey Price is like, you know, we said before, I would like to see his, his save percentage go up a little bit more. And uh, but other than that, I think the goaltending has been the most impressive part of this Canadians team that I've seen so far this year. And a big reason that they're at the point that they are right now getting 16 out of a possible 22 points. Yeah, uh, Jake Allen has been a godsend. And, you know, that was 
Well, I don't think we were so worried about it. I think people will, uh, like Tom, you know, just St. Louis fans were just like, look, he's going to be flaky. He's going to get nervous. He's going to let you down. We're not seeing that, you know, and granted some of those times when they felt like that, you know, St. Louis wasn't good. You know, they won a miracle, a Cinderella, you know, Stanley cup. Um, but I, I'm very impressed with Jake Allen. I love your point about Carey Price with the with the Vesna. You're spot on. I, I still think he's capable of doing it, just because uh, just because of this. So, so Carey Price normally plays about nine to twelve games before his backup even gets a chance. They've right. been sharing constantly, and if we learned anything from the bubble, rest for for Carey Price is the best thing for Carey Price. Now, granted, he's hungry. He wants to play these games. That's awesome. But Jake Allen's going to get his share, and it's just going to make Carey Price come out hungry. So, yeah. And look, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you say, I think what the Canadians proved in the bubble is that they're a team on the rise. And I think that I think how they played in the bubble gave them confidence going into this offseason and into this year that, you know what, we're not that far away from being a team that could really make a run at it. I mean, we're not that far away and they've proven it so far this year. And Carey Price looks like Carey Price of 10 years ago. I mean, that's, he looks great. He looks solid. Jake Allen has is, is been tremendous. The defense has been very good. I mean, they, you know, I know, I know I, I'm going to, I'm going to sound, you know, being a, you know, devil's fan, obviously, but uh, Kirk Muller has done a good job as an assistant coach. He actually, I gotta be honest with you. He, he he could be a head coach in the future unless he's like really not interested in it. But he he, <laughs> he was impressive in the bubble, and I like um I like what he does. I like the system that they play. It's more wide open. It's more just get pucks, just get pucks to the net, and that's what they do. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I hope the Canadians continue to go because look, I would love to see a Canadian team win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. And if Montreal does it, that's great. Because it, I'd rather it be them than Toronto. That's that's just my opinion. <laughs> I agree with you there. <laughs> because look, at least with Canadians fans, they don't they don't sit there and hope that and feel like everything they deserve everything in the world. The Canadians, they don't have the likes of an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner or a William Nylander or all these young superstar like players. They have Tyler DeFoley, but they have a lot of guys that are young workman-like players it's almost like the roles have been reversed you know for many years Montreal was the flashy you know everybody scoring 30 plus goals a year for many years and Toronto was more of the workman-like team mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's the opposite now I think now the Canadians are more of the you know hard the blue collar oh. yeah blue collar exactly that's where yeah. I was looking for blue collar team and I like that I think that's fun I think that's awesome and I hope they continue to play this well and I hope that they really make a run because I, I really think that they can do it. Yeah, um, I think I think we can too, and that could be biased, but you got to stand by a team that's just being as successful as they are right now. So um, I, I love your point, though. I, I do feel like we're the hungry we're the hungry man team. You know, we're the, we're the blue collar boys because you know we always like to say we 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 don't have that star player. We don't have that. We have elite players, maybe a bit you know past their prime, maybe not into their prime yet. Mm-hmm. But that that just makes us hungrier, you know. Like we don't. I love that we're we're beating teams without that fundamental. We don't have that. We don't have that Austin Matthews, and that's why I love Toronto games so much more because Toronto is basically the NBA of two thousand 
2013 when the the big three came around they're just buying up all these properties and about to ruin the league with you know with with money and every time we beat them it's it's just that much more it it just makes it that much better because we're we're building a team that plays united and they're just building a team with money so you you nailed it right on the head well Maya, before I let you go, I do this with all my guests, my friend. Um, I allow you to pretty much, you know, tell the folks on where they can follow you, where they can check you out. Uh, talk about the, you know, the Habs Nightly podcast uh, with you and Mason. Anything you guys got going on and uh, everything like that. So, my friend, the floor is yours. Hey, man, uh, if you guys enjoyed, uh, if you guys remember me from the previous uh, New Jersey you can always follow me at Bayou Benders. Uh, I love to talk just hockey, period. I don't get a lot of that down here. So that's my mainstay to keeping me sane. Um, I'm now on Habs Nightly. You guys can give us a follow if you care about the Canadian division. I think it's Scotia. I just call it the North. Uh, but um, Scotia, no, yeah. it, it's been it's been a pleasure, Neil. I, I love love having you on. When, when, when you came on, I was like, this guy's ridiculously awesome. So... Uh, this has been great. I've been waiting for, I've been waiting to come back. Well, well, man, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever need a guest on Habs nightly, let me know. I will definitely hundred percent. Your your name's in the books. (laughs) I'll be more than happy to jump on, but we will, we will definitely have you on back again soon. And we're going to try to get Shane on as well. And we're just going to have a, a good old time. Long as I don't have to edit it. I don't care. No, you you don't, you don't. That's, uh, that's up to me now. I, I'm in charge. Now, so I feel you're just pain. sweating, just like in the DMs. I need y'all to wrap this up. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> Those were fun, man. But, uh, but bye, man. Thank you so much again. We really do appreciate it. And uh, good, good luck the rest of the season. No problem. And uh, go Devils, man. I still, y'all have a place in my heart now. So I just want to see them succeed too. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. No problem. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. 
New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything you could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know some one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Painted Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day. You know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!